Welcome back to Chapter 3 of Part 1 of the Nerds of the Old Republic Review the Works of Quentin Tarantino. Alright guys, so um, I guess, you know, a new season of casting and uh, what is uh, old is new again. We're going to do the Sean's Mystery Box of Beer. Um, however, I have to be honest with you all. I did not have an opportunity to actually, like, cultivate a Tarantino-esque beer beforehand because this is one of those things I remembered at the last minute. <laughs> and my, <laughs> yeah. local, my local beer outlet was closed when I got there, yeah. so I had to go to Wegmans. Which luckily has this build-your-own-pack thing going. It is pretty fantastic. So at this point, I kind of choose-your-own-adventure, which I guess kind of does cross over with Tarantino and all the different stories he tells. They all come back to oh, the same nice. thing. Look at you English teachering. Nice. They'll get you drunk. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to let you guys... I'm going to pass the, the pack around. You guys can pick what you'd Sit like. All right. He'll get you drunk. Yeah. Yeah, there's another so reference. Reference. I remember that one, yeah. And it will be my pleasure to read the tasting notes or the description wow. for every can you select. Why don't you quickly... Tell it the options. Oh, sure. So yeah. Would you like to hear them? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll start over here to the bottom left, and, and then I can I, get I'm it out of here. Grab the pack when you're done. Okay. At a random order, and not pick Ooh. something that I want. So I've got a. Hand, I I even tried to look for things that would be like something about you guys or or whatever. And it's not. Nah, I just nah, picked I stuff that looked interesting. I got a Hamburg Brewing Company Lakeview Lager, oh, I had that. which mm-hmm. sounded good. With our hometown located adjacent to one of the largest freshwater sources on the planet, it's only natural to honor the glorious views it provides. <laughs> this lager was brewed with a subtle malt sweetness and a touch of lemony hop character. Simple, yet elegant. I'll try and be more Samuel-esque in my next one. <laughs> this tall boy is a Platter's Chocolate Factory Irish Stout with Coffee. Ooh. Barrel-aged bitches presented by View or Ellicottville Brewing Company. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it does not... Oh, here we go. Inspired by the factory's famous confections <laughs> and made in the USA, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> that is that better? literally the tasting notes, yep. Right. Next we have <coughs> Elysian Space Dust IPA. That, one that one's, yeah, that one's a beast of an IPA. I wanted to make sure, I never get IPAs, and I wanted to make sure that I had this opportunity to get you guys an IPA. Uh, India Pale Ale. The hopping is pure star glow energy. With Chinook to bitter and late and dry additions of Citra and Amarillo. That sounds disgusting. All right. Not my thing. Pops are weird things. Yeah. All right. Next up, another tall one we've got. Berry Berry Sneaky. Fruited Sour Ale with Lactose. I don't know why. What did you say with lactose? It sounds gross, but it actually makes it creamy. With lactose. I picked it because I was like, that sounds fucking weird. So I'm like, why not? Whoa. This sour sneaks up on you. Packed with blackberry, blueberry, boysenberry, cranberry, raspberry, strawberry, and lactose. <laughs> Do not underestimate the sneakiness of this beer by Hamburg Brewing Company. Another Hamburg one. All right. Another tall boy here next to it. We've got, I just bought it because the can looked funny. Thin Man Brewery. Mm-hmm. Trial by Wombat. Yeah. Oh, I, Ethan, man. And there's a picture of a wombat on there. I have either had that or at least seen that can many times. Yeah. It is an IPA that is hopped with Galaxy. 
according to the Surgeon General, it's not. No, that's it, man. It's all you get. No tasting <laughs> And then, you know, honestly, if you want to take a picture for the cast, that's too late to do the milkshakes and the burgers. Oh, we forgot about it. We don't really do social media anymore, do we? I mean, no, X sucks. Threads. X is the hellhole that Elon yeah. Musk. Do you want? Do you want that picture for, for whatever you want to yeah, post? Yeah, All right. The can's not going anywhere. The last one we've got is summer playlist from Community Beer Works. It's a Hefeweizen and a summery take on a traditional German style Hefeweizen. Notes of banana, clove, and tart wheat. Sorry, tart wheat meld into a supremely refreshing ale with lively carbonation. This is a perfect beer for an afternoon with your best friends and favorite records or recordings. Check out our summer playlist at the QR code here. I just might. Mm -hmm. So there you go, boys. Well, Adam uh, is hosting, so not only the cast, but the recording studio. So he should pick first. First selection, sir. And then you brought the beer, so you should pick some. Nah, no, no, no. I'd rather and you I'll guys just drink whatever for it. <laughs> oh, I, I pulled Wombat. I spun it and I just put my hand in it. Did you not want the Wombat? No, I I sound like Mike wanted it. So I didn't no, want no, to no, no, no. I have not made a choice yet. You don't have to take the yeah, Wombat. Sean, take next. No, 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 no. no, no I'm please. taking the Wombat. I it, insist that it, Mike chooses next. It literally looks like if you've never seen Thin Man Brewery's Trial by Wombat can, dear audience. Uh, Matthew, it looks like somebody <laughs> fucking woke a wombat up at at the middle of the day because wombats are nocturnal. That is correct. Mistaken, yes, and went surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> I, I took a picture of it. <laughs> that was great. All right, Sean, I left you the Irish stout. I know that's your jam, and uh, I, you I took this uh, this uh, summer playlist? summer playlist. <laughs> just um, not normally a beer I would select, but I uh, I do respect Community Beer Works a lot. Mm. I love their artwork on their cans, mm-hmm. and this one happens to be a fucking vinyl record. So, yeah, I, for those reasons, I selected that, yeah. that one. I'm torn between the Irish Stout coffee and the Berry Berry Lactose beer because I love me some lactose, but I don't know. I mean, they're both yours, man. It's it's tough. I'm gonna stick with the jam that I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Big, big shout out to any of these breweries: Thin Man, CBW. Yep. Uh, Ellicottville and Hamburg. Y'all need a sponsor? I'd be happy to drink your beer and say it's mm-mm, delicious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Matthew would definitely buy your beer if it's For available sure. wherever he's listening. For sure. Yeah, I didn't ask that personal information um, because he was very concerned about whether or not we were coming back. And I wanted to be sincere with him and I didn't want to like yeah. take advantage of the power differential here because he was like reaching out to us. Yeah, well, we are back, motherfuckers. That's yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> All right, should we crack these yeah, bitches? Yeah, open them up. Oh, yeah. Mmm, that is a tasty beer. <sighs> that really hit the spot. <laughs> <laughs> that has become my favorite line, and I'm going to look for it in all of his movies. If it's only in those two, I'll be pissed. Yeah. Because it's just so good. So that could be his version of, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. I really hit the spot. <laughs> De Niro's delivery is great. Is that Nick? Oh, I was going to say, is that Nick Cage saying it? You sound like Nick oh, did I? No, I was trying to be. De- I can't even do a De Niro. Mike does a really good De Niro. Yeah, De Niro was, was the line you were just trying to say. Yeah, it really hit the spot. Oh, and then we should do all our actors like doing that line. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Nick Cage. <clears throat> nah, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to do your De Niro. Do, you do the De Niro. Um, we can just cut it if you don't like. I, it. I, I usually like. have to warm these up. I'm coming <laughs> in cold here. I hit the spot. Yeah, that's, what, <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. good. You got the frown and <laughs> hit, hit the spot a little bit, a little yeah. bit. 
You just need that sad mustache he had in this movie. Oh, true. So, so I will Jackie say Brown. That my community beer works Hefeweizen is pretty good. No, oh, we're doing the beer ratings. If okay, I yeah. were still sitting out, I mean, if it was uh, you know a summer day and it was eighty degrees and I were sitting out in it, I could have many of these. Mm-hmm. I would not have many of these in a hot summer day. As an Irish stout with coffee. Your barrel aged. Yeah. yeah. This is um this is a it's a good beer. I would it's not like dragon milk good, but it's still good. I enjoy it. I haven't had that one. I'm pretty sure I've had trial by wombat before. Uh it's a solid IPA. Did you want to sample this? No, it's okay. Yeah, yeah let's all pass our beers around in yeah. a circle. Would you mind <laughs> if I take a sip? Oh, no. <laughs> and you finished my beer. Yeah. <laughs> Cut back to me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I do taste the galaxy hops for what it's worth. Good on you. Uh, I actually, I'm not sure. I just kind of make that shit up. <laughs> I can denote that this is galaxy and not whatever bullshit Simcoe. names. Yeah. Yeah. I can name a dozen hops enough to confuse people. They got like pot strain names like Oh yeah, yeah literally like the and same then they thing. started cryogenically freezing them so now there's like cryositmo and all that stuff, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You get in the back of the dude's van though, you have to like knock on and know the right knock to get the cryositmo. I don't know. All of a sudden, we're getting in the back of someone's van. I'm not sure what's going well, on. Well, that's here. where you get the pot stuff. Too, ah, right? okay. Yeah. That's where you get your hops and your pots. Store. Yeah, your <laughs> business model right there. <laughs> hops, hops and pots. Yeah. Well, it is legal now. I unevenly legal though, right? I don't know. Yeah, I forgot what the status of it was. I have no idea. I was at my local grocery store today, and there were three women dressed in their Sunday finest because we're recording this on. No, it's not a Sunday. Yeah, it is Sunday. Sunday. Yes, it's Sunday. They were in their Sunday finest. Smoking a dupe. One of them smelled like the stickiest of icky. Wow. <laughs> and she had to be like eighty, and I was like, "Good for you, ma'am." Yeah, it's crazy. I, I didn't tell her. But I was like, good for you. You give her give her a big sniff and be like, all right. <laughs> I'm not sure how she would have taken that one. So, yeah. Uh, but we can transition to Jackie Brown. Yeah. Uh, so, 97. We went 92, 94, 97. Pretty sure it's 97. Yeah, it's 97. Yeah. I'm looking it at is it. 97. Yeah, yeah it was uh, nominated for a bunch of awards in the 98, um, you know, award season or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's And and tragically, uh, Pam Greer was, I don't even think, nominated for oh. Best Actress. She was fantastic. She, she did win uh, some Oscar awards, Soy. like some other lesser awards than, right. the, than the Academy Awards. But the big one, the Oscar Best Actress, I mean, Pam Greer is, like, stunning in this movie. She's wasn't there talk, so fucking good. Wasn't right? there talk of, like, Travolta working as, or not Travolta, oh my god, Tarantino working his magic on another has-been actor and bringing them, like, out of the dust works there. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, her. I, I don't I even know so. if in 97 people would have even considered her a has-been because where she was big was in the 1970s black exploitation films right. in which she was huge, yeah. but she was never a conventional like Hollywood actress. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean that part of her career would have been long behind her. Um, I think she was in her mid forties, late forties ish or whatever. And uh, yeah. And, and he, Picked her for the part of Jackie Brown, and holy fuck, she mm-hmm. is on stage. Let me back up. Right from the mm-hmm. opening scene, this is one of my all-time favorite openings to a movie ever, is when she walks into the scene and walks across the airport while Bobby Womax across 110th Street mm-hmm. plays in its entirety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is such a cool opening like that that is another one of those scenes that i'll watch late at night on youtube 
Um, it's not even really a scene. There's no dialogue. There's no action. No. But just that song playing while Pam Greer walks across an airport is like the coolest fucking opening yeah, to a movie. And it tells you everything you need to know about her character at uh, that yeah. point. And it's yep. great because it's like she's like owning it. She looks like she's in like a like a big boss stewardess mm-hmm. doing her thing. And then at the end, she's like late and she's got to run and she right. barely makes it to the flight to check right. people in and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So she's got, um, you know, as I, I was starting to get to before, like she is on stage with great actors throughout uh, that entire movie, mm-hmm. you know, and she's, you know, known mostly for like the B movies that she made in the seventies and she owns every fucking scene that she's mm-hmm. in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she is a force. You have to wonder scene. if that's because of like access or what? Cause I was looking through her filmography. I didn't realize I had seen most of her actual like seventies films. Really? Uh, prison movies. And well, yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, no, uh, cause I've seen uh black mama, white mama scream, Blackula scream, um, Friday Foster. Like I've seen those. No, no shit. Yeah. Um, I had a, you know, black exploitation film phase for a little yeah. bit, 1970s film sort of thing. Um, and I started this film and I'm like, fuck do I know? And I, it took me, I can't believe it took me so long to realize, like, especially from like Scream, Blackula Scream, like that one, yeah. Yeah. I think that started my phase and then I kind of bopped around in the seventies right. and came back. But, um, She's yeah. perfectly cast. Not too. surprised that she owns it. Yeah. Like her, her whole character is kind of like just based on that, based that like aesthetic, that idea, like she's like fading beauty, but she's still holding on to it mm-hmm. and not sure where she's going in life. She hasn't accomplished right. much kind of a thing. Right. It's, she really really got into that well, character these were the movies that formed tarantino right yeah. like he he wasn't mm-hmm. like a like a hoity-toity like art film student you know at a major yeah. university he he was just a kid who loved the movies um and those are the movies that formed him the kung fu movies the spaghetti westerns mm-hmm. and the yeah. black exploitation films <clears throat> like those were the movies that he just ate and digested like all through the 70s and it's all over all his movies and you know uh, Jackie Jackie Brown is, is one of the clearest examples of this. Um, but Pam Greer uh, is is uh, the obvious one that he you know sort of resurrected from the seventies um, phase. But the guy who plays Max Cherry, um, the actor's name, I, I won't be able to say off the top of my head. That dude was perfect in this. He was great, but uh, he also Robert Tar- Forster. Robert Forster, that's right. He, uh, Tarantino's talked before about uh, too how he he thought of that guy for that role because he had remembered him from some movie he liked back yeah. in the seventies, hmm. and I don't think the guy was doing too much by the mid nineties, and he brought him in to play that part, and then that guy actually ended up uh, appearing in a whole bunch of movies um, that whose names we would recognize, not as a major actor, right? But he was yeah, in them. So. Oh, I just remember watching that, being like, man, this guy is a bail bondsman. Like that's yes. uh, he just he he is exactly what you expect right. and just the delivery everything was spot yeah. on. Like what are you gonna put up for collateral? I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna need this paperwork from you. I'm just telling you what I have to yeah. do. What you have to do is put up this thousand dollar bond. Where can I put my ash? <laughs> you can use that cup right there if you I like. I love that yeah. fucking scene oh, because so the two good. of them are like you could not get two more different <laughs> yeah. human beings. You have the no bullshit like. Uh, you know, bail bondsman Max Cherry. And then you have this, like, you know, gun running, like, street savvy yes. Samuel L. Jackson. And watching the two of them interact is, fu- you know, like, well, that, a charge like that, usually they'd only ask for a thousand dollars. Hey, you know, they fucking went there, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. But, like, uh, does Beaumont, uh, is that his uh, first name or his last name? Uh, I'd have to say that's his Christian name. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Beaumont, what's his last name? Was it Wallace right. or uh, Livingston? Beaumont yeah, Livingston. Livingston. He goes, oh, Livingston, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you're, you're, your boy's looking at 10 years. Oh, Beaumont ain't got the doing time kind of disposition. Yeah. He ain't going to like that. <laughs> what are you going to put up for collateral? Oh, my cash. <laughs> If you got the cash, why don't you? Well, you know, uh, yeah, it's got to go through a guy like you. Yeah, that's a fucking great scene. I love you can see it too, Robert Forrester. Now I'm thinking about the Max Cherry is reading this whole thing, and he knows exactly like you can see it, the way he's, he's playing it all it. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he's, he's gonna play the part. He's computing it as he goes. Like, all right, I'm being used as a middleman here. I get it. Right. Whatever, I'm getting paid. I get my thousand dollar retainer. I can do that, right? That's his line out the whole thing. I can do that. Later I, in the I film, when, when Samuel Jackson shows up the second time, and he's like, I figure you can just slide that 10000 you owe me for Beaumont. Yeah. Um, but that's when he actually, like, you know, says a lot of that shit. He's like, oh, now you want me to speculate on what you do. All right, I guess you're in drugs, but the money's going the other way. Either way, I don't care. I got, you know. That's what you're getting away with. Right. You know, you, yeah, so good for you. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. He's very savvy. Yeah. He helps Jackie Brown with her whole situation. Yeah, well, he, 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 he's in love with her for, you can yeah. see, like, he, they played that really Boy. well, too. Yeah. But then there's that bittersweet where he realizes it ain't going to happen. And right. he just sort of, like, lets her go. And right. it's like, man. Anyway, we're getting way ahead of it. Right. Well, right. I, as we do in Tarantino films. Yes. You know, you just go all over the place. This movie, I think, is the first one where he presents a linear plot. And so, it, yeah, being based no... on a novel probably has something to do with. And, not doing it that and way. And I've read that book, and what surprised me is how much that plot actually sticks to the book. I mean, there's a lot of stylistic shit that the director and the actors bring to it that wouldn't, you know, obviously be present in the book. Uh, but um, in terms of, like, who the characters are and the plot points, the movie actually, I, I would have guessed that Tarantino just took a basic thing and did his own thing with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but not the case. The The movie actually follows pretty closely with the book. It's good to know. I had no idea. I'd never read the book. But seeing that in the credits, I was like, oh, this is interesting how it's not his original work. Yep. It's something else. And there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of lines in the movie. It's been a couple years since I read the book, so I won't remember which is which. But there's actually a lot of the, the dialogue is, is uh, stuff that is actually said in the book as well. So. I was struck with how long it is, too. It's very long. Yeah, it's like I almost three hours. Yeah, it's it's about 2.40, I think. Yeah, I was, like, Reservoir Dogs is quick. It's yeah, over, it's like, like, an hour. An hour 30 or something. Yeah, it's real short. Right. And Pulp Fiction is about your feature-length two-hour movie. Right. Mm -hmm. This is like, wow, this is just going, and I'm like, it's got to be over now. Right. Nope. So <laughs> I rewatched the movie this morning, actually. Um, like I said, I just wanted to be fresh. I've yeah. seen this movie. Mm -hmm. I watched it last night for the same thing. Um, and but and I had the same thought as you. Like when you get to the point where they start to go through the motions for the bag trade off, you feel like you're getting to the end. You're like, okay, we're entering the final act. So it's probably another 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. And I hit pause and I'm like, oh shit, there's like over an hour left in the movie. Yeah. And that's a lot of the movie is them practicing the height. Then the, the whole bag trade off thing itself is forever. Then they reconstruct the whole thing yep. to show you how Jackie got away with it. And then they still have to solve the problem of, um, uh, oh shoot, what is Samuel Jackson's character's name in this? Ordell. Ordell, yeah. They, they, they still have to have the reckoning with Ordell. So they're actually at that point is still a lot to go. And I think yeah. that, that's how the movie ends up being so long. Yeah, it's really, um, again, I think the strength of these early Tarantino movies, and I know it's something he carries through in the later stuff, but the real strength is in the characters. Yeah. Like, it's the characters that drive these things. And like Ordell is, God, 
What a role for Samuel L. Jackson. I, I fucking <laughs> He's like made for him. Oh my god. It's like I loved him, but I fucking hated him at the same right. time. It's like he right, just right. he pulls so off that sleazy. oily con right. man and he's so got that stingray beard yeah. thing and yeah. the ponytail. It's just such an odd look, but God. But he's he's so like he, like you said, like he's so sleazy, but he's so charming at the same time. Yeah. One of my favorite lines is when he's uh, tells De Niro to go wait in the car. He's like, check out some music. Uh, he's like, oh, don't mess up my levels, oh, man. I got them set I right around. Turn the turn the alarm off. And he goes, I right, just press the little button. You'll boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> It'll go boop boop boop. And <laughs> yeah. That's great. But um, one of my favorite scenes uh, is the one with um, Chris Tucker. You know, the legendary oh, yes. Chris Tucker, right? And this is this is just before Chris Tucker blew up and yeah. became one of the biggest. You can see a little bit of what he would do right. in this character, but a like, little bit. Know, so he he totally just oh cons him into getting into the trunk, you know, and wreck this motherfucker and come out and scare these guys. <laughs> yeah, but then, then you get like it's one of those moments where you just you know if you're paying attention where you you remember how great of a director Tarantino is because when he finally gets him in the trunk, you know, he walks around, he gets in his car. We get that close up of Tarantino's face. He turns. I don't even know what song it is, but it's this cool ass like old soul yeah. song that comes on his stereo, and you just he just lingers. You yep. know, he just the, the camera just lingers. Samuel Jackson slowly pulls on those black yep. gloves, so you know, like, oh, okay, he's gonna kill this dude. You and know? you know, it's a different car too from the one he was driving. They made a point about the car before yeah. with the mm-hmm. De Niro thing. So right. you knew that this car is not a car right. that's his car. So then yeah. they go when they finally go out of the car. We get this like you know this camera and has takes in the whole scene as a long yeah. shot. Yeah. So then as the car drives away, the music fades out, right? And then the camera starts panning over to this like vacant lot, and it's all one continuous yep. cut. Mm-hmm. And you see the headlights turn in from a distance, yep. and then the music starts to fade back in, and you're like, oh, he's just gonna do it right fucking there. Yeah. And then he gets out of the car, the music turns off, he opens the trunk, Chris Tucker starts yelling at him, you motherfucker, like that. He just shoots him yep. back in the car. Mm-hmm. Music back on, drives off. Drives it's on. a fucking brilliant scene. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. And you know that Ordell is not a guy you're going to fuck with. Like, they established mm-hmm. that character, like, this guy will kill people that are his friends and employees right. if yeah. there's any chance that they will get anything back to him. Right. Because he all he said it when he's in that scene with uh, De Niro and um, Fonda. Right. And they're just sitting there, and she's, like, seducing De Niro in the background and all right. this, and he's drinking his OJ, and he's like, you going to answer that? And it's like, and like she's letting it ring. She's like, it's for you. And it sits out right away. Yeah. Just like that back and forth is hilarious. Would you like, you're thinking this guy's a goof. Right. He's like, oh, what is this fucking, like this guy is not right. anything I'm worried about. And then no, he's a cold blooded motherfucker. Right. But in that scene, he says, I just want to sell my, was it get a million dollars or I'm out. Right. Right. Like yeah. he's got a plan. Yeah. He's yeah. going to stick to that plan. Guy. Yeah. Well, and there's no reason that he has to drive over and show the body to De Niro. Like the whole point of that scene. Oh no, there is a reason for that. He does it because he wants De Niro to know that right. you don't fuck with me. There's no reason he has <laughs> to show yeah, them business-wise. Yeah. The whole reason he does it is to, like, if you're going to come in with me, then you need to know, like, this is how fucking yeah. serious this yep. shit is. And De Niro's reaction is like, yeah. oh, oh. He goes, well, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> De Niro's in, like, ultimate caveman mode in this one. Like, he's, he's so inarticulate. and he, just, <laughs> he seems so out of place. It. I always felt like as I'm watching this movie, like, before and now, like, De Niro just feels like he's doing this. Because his agent said you should work with this guy, and he has no idea what yeah. the fuck yeah. to do with it. But he plays it so perfectly. I was gonna say yeah. at the same time, it's 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 not a movie. It's not a role that comes to mind when you think about the great De Niro roles: mm-hmm. Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Vito Corleone, yeah. um, Goodfellas. You know, yeah. those are the the ones you think of. But like, it's 
it is still a great acting performance in a very unattractive way. You yeah. know, he's yeah. he's playing the guy that is 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 like a fucking uh, uh, ex-con. Uh, you know, bank robber who's not very bright, who's extremely socially awkward, yeah. who's prone to sudden fits of violence. Yeah, he's and he's a fuck super, up. you know, yeah. he's awkward and inarticulate. Exactly. And he plays, I mean, he commits and pulls it off. Yeah. You know, it's not an attractive role, but. I'd like to say that I think you missed two important roles for De Niro, and they are in Meet the Parents. I was going to say it. Uh, yes. Meet the Fox. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I. Don't like those films. Oh, the stuff. first time first I saw meet, meet the Parents was pretty good. The rest, forget them. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's almost unfortunate. I wonder, like, sometimes were they just like, I want to do something different. Yeah. Am I running low on money? Do I want another house in Malibu? Like, what is the motivation for taking <laughs> those roles? I'm um, sure it's like a lot of it was. I'm known for this, right. and I want to do Just something to do a little this. lighter. Yeah, yeah, like Rob, yeah. when Robin Williams did One Hour Photo. Yeah, and we're exactly. All like, what the fuck happened to yeah. Robin Williams? He's got range. Yeah. He shows range. Man has more than one emotion. But well, he does, um, he, around the same time as me, the parents, he also did a, a, a mostly forgotten film that I fucking still love called Analyze This. Oh, yeah. I remember, remember hearing yeah. it. And he's, he basically plays like, uh, you know, a, a gangster, like his character from Goodfellas, but who has these anxiety attacks and breaks into sobbing and unfortunately <laughs> so he has to have billy crystal be his like, yeah. psychiatrist uh, and it is a fucking really good movie. it's an odd couple huh. kind of thing yeah, yeah. It is. yeah it's very funny you know i wonder like if he was just going through an odd just going through an odd couple phase because him and stiller oh right. the parents yeah and then analyze crystal this, then could be on him. but this like jackie brown thing is just so <laughs> weird like the mustache the look like it's all bizarre him like toking up on a bowl all the time right. and like and like banging Bridget Fonda, like oh, hit the spot. Yeah. You know? oh, God. <laughs> like, so is there? Like, I guess that begs the question. Like, is there a trope in black exploitation films of this nature, where there is like the one out of place white guy who is in yeah, in, in you know the business or whatever? That's a great question. I yeah, I, to look the, I don't know. Honestly. Or maybe it's the opposite. It, the the character know. is in the book. Um, now, so so Tarantino gave his movie a very clear black exploitation veneer mm -hmm. you don't get that from the book as much the book is more just like sort of like you know a gangster book you know yeah um, the race doesn't matter the characters kind of thing or and the, and the character what was that the race doesn't matter who the what the characters are or? well no i mean ordell's still black and, and okay. De Niro's character's still white and whatever but but they don't they don't have it doesn't have the black exploitation mm. style actually i don't mm -hmm. know how you would even do that in a book yeah um but anyways yeah, the really. character in the book um is very close to the way De Niro plays him um, the only difference that I remember is that the character actually works uh, for Max Cherry for part of that book. Really? Yeah, he's like an employee. Like him and Winston are the employees that work for Max Cherry. So that's like oh. a slight difference from the book. But I honestly, watching this again, I just remember how much I love Samuel Jackson as Ordell <laughs> yeah. and just how right. fucking magnetic he is in every single scene. <laughs> like at time he keeps like he's gonna kill her. You know he's gonna kill her. He's got the gloves on right. and she double cross like she pulls the gun on him and everything and like oh it's so good. And he's like suddenly he's in like protection right. mode. He's like, I'm not gonna kill you. What yeah. are you talking about? Like just, he's he's he manages to be charming and yet menacing at the same yeah, time. Yeah, he kept turning the light off, she kept turning it back right. on. He's like, you know, he's like, You you sure you didn't let a little something slip? It's okay if you did. I just need to know. <laughs> you know. Um but then yeah, when she th that is one of her high points in the whole movie. Oh like, yeah. She's she's like what the fuck do you think that is and he goes it feels like a gun pressed against my dick <laughs> and she's like take your hands off my 
fucking neck. And then she's like, sit your raggedy ass yes. down and shut the fuck up. That's where the power she's changes. Awesome. The, the, the differential. Because then he's under the thumb of right. her for the rest of the right. movie, basically. And I love how she like basically tells him how she's gonna take his money and like right. get out of this whole thing. And he's like, I can do that. Right, right. Like that's his that's his line and everything. I can do that. I can do that. Like that's him like just getting on with it. Well, there's a great scene where she has him meet her in the bar. Yeah. And and she tells him all the shit that she told the cops. And watching Samuel L. Jackson's progression of yes. responses to that is like, what the fuck did you tell him that for? Are you crazy? You know? Well, it's the truth, ain't it? Like that whole like she basically she just lays it all out there and then the plan, he's like, I can do that. Yeah, you and know? he does that again. Yeah. Like, yeah all right. <laughs> it's awesome. But, um, and you got something you want to say? Or? No, I was just going to say that I was scrolling through Samuel L. Jackson's filmography. Um, and it strikes me that, you know, he has worked with Tarantino so much, but then there's all the Marvel stuff too. Yeah. Got, oh, he's yeah. Got range. Right. So, yeah. And I almost forgot about Mace Windu. Mace How did I forget about Mace we Windu? We do not recognize your rank of Jedi Master. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is an outrage. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, uh, so I was just surprised. And then one rando fact that I love, considering I keep thinking of snakes on a plane when we say <sighs> Samuel Jackson. Yes. Um, but he's widely credited to be the second highest grossing actor of all time. Second? Second with 27 billion worldwide. Who's the first? I have to look. I thought Ed Jackson was the first last I... So that was from 2022. Oh, maybe it's changed since then. Mm, you Here's know why. So uh, Marvel... Is oh. why Scarlett Johansson, uh, fourteen point five billion. Yeah, movies she's been in thirty three, movies films. Excuse me, uh, Robert Downey Jr. fourteen point three with forty four films. Samuel L. Jackson at thirteen point three. Worldwide total is I guess box office, um, but sixty six films. That's weird because he's been in so many huge movies yeah, compared to those others. Now, this, of course, is Wikipedia, and someone mm. could be wrong. Potentially. Never quote that or never cite that. Yeah. Well, and I would check out the uh, their citations. An interesting conversation for us to have in a later Tarantino cast would be which Samuel L. Jackson role among Tarantino movies is our favorite. Mm. We should do that when we get to Kill Bill too. I like that. That's a good coda. It would already be difficult to, you know, decide. I mean, obviously I think Pulp Fiction is the superior film to Jackie Brown, but Mm. the roles, you know, that that would be tough to decide. And that's not even getting into his role in Django Unchained, which is so unsettling. Oh my God. No one's brilliant for how unsettling it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Absolutely. Getting, getting back to Jackie Brown for a <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just No offense, Jackie. You're getting it's getting overshadowed a little bit by you know its predecessor and what's to come. This is a movie that's really grown in my estimation, though. When I first saw it, you know, I, I thought, okay, I like this movie. It's a great mm-hmm. Tarantino movie, mm-hmm. but I did not have the same esteem for it at that time when I was younger as I did for Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. I thought that would you know that yeah. those three yeah. films because um, I saw it before Kill Bill came out, so at that time, those were the three films, it would have been bottom for me. Mm-hmm. That's no longer the case. I have it mm. way above Reservoir Dogs. Agreed. I would say not quite the Pulp Fiction's level, but I, mm-hmm. I think the more I watch or have watched this movie over the years, the more I see in it, like it, appreciate it. I think yeah. it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. That's a good assessment. I think it definitely stands in his uh, in his top five yeah. of, of his films, honestly. You know, there's the thing... I like Reservoir Dogs. 
I am not saying more than Jackie Brown. I, I don't know how I feel about that yet. But there's more polish to Jackie Brown than Reservoir yeah. Dogs, and I don't know if that's because of budget reasons or what, but um, it does make, when you compare the two directly, it does make Reservoir Dogs feel more like a, I don't want to say a student film, but like, yeah. I mean, it's an independent film. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's part of it. Absolutely. It's, you can definitely see as you progress through his films, it gets more money, more polish, mm-hmm. more of that like the aesthetic is evolving. Right. Right. And I think Jackie Brown is showing that transition into his middle phase, kind of getting away from that rawness and that edgy, making a name for it being different. Right. Right. And now it's like, okay, now I can tell a story. It's a little more traditional, but I still got my, my flair in there. And it, uh, I think it really stands up well. One of the things, you know, this is a great point that you guys are making here. Um, as I'm thinking about it, it's like those, those early films, there's really no action sequences at all. And a lot of the, you know, action is implied. The heist, the shootout with the cops, you only see a little bit of that. The boxing match with uh, Butch, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, Jackie Brown, like, you, there's still not a ton of it. You know, there's a little bit with, um, you know, the whole the exchange in the mall and the way mm-hmm. he splices all that together and everything. Um, but you're right, like, he's building toward that. Because what's going to happen next is Kill Bill, which is yeah. <laughs> nothing but fight sequences and, and action. So, and did he have Kill Bill planned when he was making Jackie Brown? Because that, that begs an interesting question. Then. I think so, actually. Because if you look at the, the history of it, he and Uma Thurman, I think while they were working on Pulp Fiction, came up with the character for The Bride. And they it was like, if you look at it, at the end of the movie, it's like a joint between uh, you two. UT and QT and like that's mm-hmm. like they came up with the story and I think it just dated for a while before it finally came to the screen. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Cuz you know without jumping the shark here there's in a lot of ways Kill Bill does feel like earlier Tarantino films to me. Um but I haven't rewatched it in a handful of years yet. You know, that's coming up. There is a bit of a backward jump <clears throat> towards some things that he used to do differently, I think. Yeah, the non-linear storytelling. Yeah. And- a little bit of a callback to that because yeah. Jackie Brown definitely is an outlier when it comes to that style of storytelling. But I guess getting back to that, the story itself and this film, it's long, but you don't really feel the length of it until you feel like it's over. But it's not over because there's always that. Oh, we still got to figure out what's going on here, and oh no, it's we got to resolve what's going on between the, the you know Cherry and uh, and Brown and like those kinds of like he's tying up all the loose ends, and that does add some bloat to it. But like, honestly, everything up to the point where they where they kill Ordell, like, no, he's got a gun, and the yeah. and, and friggin' Michael Keaton. We even talked about Michael Keaton. Oh Fucking oh Michael God, Keaton Michael in this movie right. jumps in and mows him down, right. and is like, fuck, you know, and like that part of it, he's just dead. And yeah. the the part where De Niro kills Melanie because he's just pissed <laughs> that she's egging him on. I'm like. First of all, Bridget Fonda, like, super seductive in this film. Like, yeah. the way that they kept playing it with the legs and everything. And, like, the Nero keeps, like, slowly, like, looking at her. And, and she's like, you want to fuck? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, like, three minutes later, <laughs> is it, it's I look hard. I hit the spot. Yeah. And it's like, you think, okay, well, they're, like, and then and Jackson's, like, okay with it. He's, like, or um, Ordell's, like, uh, yeah, man, yeah, she tried to fuck you the minute I was at the door, didn't she? Well, I thought you were in a slammer for a while. You could use a good fuck. You know? like, she ain't any good at it, there's but... A, there's a good line there, too, when they're having that conversation in the bar, and he goes, well, you know, I, I, just, I just feel bad because, you know, I feel bad because you... And then uh, Samuel Jackson's like, Oh, you, you thought we that was my girl? Well, you want to have fucked her anyway? <laughs> yeah, I, I felt bad for a little bit. 
And there's like that's another interesting thing about Ordell's. You don't really know anything about him. You can't pin right. it down. He's got all these like honey houses right. where he's keeping right. these girls, and like one's kind of whacked out on whatever. This girl's his little surfer girl, his right. little white surfer girl, and then he's got the the, the old who one does the, who does the Supremes. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and that's where she, he's stashing uh, De Niro's character. It's just right. weird the way he's got this like almost Marcellus yeah. Wallace sort of like orbit going on, and then. It all just sort of like crashes around him when Jackie Brown like fucks him over, and it's great, man. It's but, great. And you were, I'm glad you brought up the Keaton character too, because um, you know that, that that is like such a classic Keaton character. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. You watch him, and like his his facial expressions are like just so absurd. Yeah. The way he chews his gum is so obnoxious. Even when you watch him walk, he walks with this cocky swagger, but it's not a cool cocky swagger. It's like a yeah. silly cocky yeah. swagger. He's like a dork. Yeah, it's hyperbole of cocky swagger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, he's so good. And then he just... was Batman once, so there you yeah. go. Oh, but I mean, yeah. he's good beyond Batman, and everything he does, oh, he's oh, good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. He's one of those actors yeah. that is, you know, like a Nick Cage. Like, he's very much who he is. Yes. You know? <laughs> I love that part where he's telling, like, he knows that she's not telling him something he's like man i hope you didn't do anything right. really stupid jackie and right. uh, she's like trying to be stone-faced and you can see her character starting to break a little bit and him just knowing there's something right. more that he doesn't know and then he feels like he got fucked over it doesn't matter because he killed him in the end and he's right. done he got his got his man i guess and right. it's just a, a, again a really good conclusion to the story the whole thing with melanie i thought was just like that's the tarantino you don't want to see this coming. Right. Like, that's like, it's the gimp. It's well, it, the, that was it's, the one you know. too where, like, it felt like De Niro did some De Niro, more traditional De Niro acting. Yeah. Too. Like, cause there, cause there's a part where he turns around and he's like, just, just don't say another word. Don't say one more fucking word. And she says like a syllable and he shoots her twice. And then he walks like 20 feet and he has this like grin on his face and he's like, yeah, it was right here. <laughs> you know? And it's like, you want a little more of that, that yeah. like, you know, traditional like sort of. That character totally broke too with that. Like as soon as he got involved in the actual, like something's actually happening and she was involved in it. It like, he, he changed. It was a right. complete turnaround. He's like, no, just come over here. Just right, stand right. still. And he's just like getting like all like, commanding of everything. And he wasn't chill at all anymore. Well, there, and there's the one line after, uh, Samuel Jackson, Rodell, after he shoots him the first time, but he's not dead yet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he says, you know, like, what happened to you, man? You used to be beautiful. Yeah. And then he yeah. kills him. Yeah. And so you get this impression, like, this dude, like, used to be more of a player yeah. on the scene, and, the, you know, and the, among whatever they do, the bank robberies or whatever, and, like, maybe just drugs or whatever, but yeah. he's, like, he's burned out. He's fried. Mm -hmm. I love that, too. He's like, well, did you kill her? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Was she pretty much dead? <laughs> or is she dead? He's like, yeah, yeah. She's dead. Samuel Jackson <laughs> plays this, like, well, too, because you can see that moment where you know he's decided to kill De Niro, but yeah. they still talk for a while. Yes. Because there's that long pause, and then he goes, well, if you had to do it, you had to do it. And yep. you know right then he's yeah. about to kill De Niro. Yep. <laughs> That's just like he tries to disarm his prey with, like, this. Mm. Like, oh, I'm your buddy. I'm on your yeah. side. Yeah. Right. That's a good burger, man. Yeah. It's a great burger. Oh, or the the whole, like, he's like, oh, I, I hate to do this. I just did you a big favor, you know, and yeah. ask you, no, I ask you for another favor, right. but uh, I need you to help me out with these guys I'm selling these guns to. I mean, and Chris Tucker is so, like, whatever happened oh. to that dude, man? He oh, was look it up right amazing. Now. Oh, yeah. And he, uh, I'm not getting that dirty ass drunk. <laughs> this is before he, like, right before he really became, like, rush hour, like, tipper. Yeah. I mean, he's right. great I in The Fifth Element with Bruce Willis. Oh, he's amazing in that. I like Fifth Element. He's amazing in Fifth Element. You see that, you see that a little bit here. Like, he's just so obnoxious in a hilarious yes. way. Yes. You know, like, so over the top. Yep. You know. 
Uh, he's he's oh my. I'm, not, I'm not getting it. You, you know, you catch me off guard with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, A, Chris Tucker is still alive. Well, yeah, I mean. Uh, you never know. Right? You never know. Good point. 2011, he went back to stand-up comedy. Then okay. he went to Silver Linings Playbook with uh, oh, yeah. Dolph Lundgren and Lawrence. Yeah. And De Niro. That too. It's a good movie. Yeah. She won the Oscar. In 2016, he appeared in Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. In 2023, he portrayed Nike executive. No shit, I saw Air, and I did not think that was Chris Tucker. He's different now, huh? Yeah, he is. Yes. Hmm. Yes. I did not recognize him whatsoever. Wow. Um, good, decent film, Air. Did not. You know what? Because when I think Chris Tucker, I think of Rush Hour. The bombastic Chris Tucker, yeah. yeah. The shouty yeah. sort of. Yeah. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> Nobody understands the words of comedy. Exactly. Out of your yeah, that guy. Um, so yeah, no, didn't even realize. Did not realize. So where are we at with the uh, early Tarantino boys? Have we uh, have we exhausted the discussion, or is there any other avenue or corner we need to get into? I mean, I, I could keep going for hours. <laughs> well, I think we both, we all could. <laughs> We've yeah, discussed. I think so. I think the important stuff, probably. Yeah, and I think one thing that our our cast does well is like introduce our thoughts on yeah. a topic and encourage our listeners to go back and rewatch for other reasons without like maybe exhaustively discussing a topic. Yeah. So I am, uh, I'm pleased we're doing this. I think this is uh, a director that the nerds army should be, you know, out there watching him. And I am really stoked about the next sequence we're going to do. Cause it's kill bill. Mm-hmm. It's inglorious bastards. Yep. And that's, we, that's it. Kill that's bill it. One Cause, and cause two. Okay. One we're counting them as two movies. Separates. All right. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really stoked for all of them, but, um, I mean, I, I have said many times that if there is any movie that gives, uh, Pulp Fiction a run for its money in terms of overall greatness, it's Tarantino's last one, Once Upon a Time in, uh, Hollywood. That'll be I, our I, final I, segment. I have yeah. seen that movie yeah. probably half a dozen times in the past few years hmm. and it gets better every fucking time. Okay. So I cannot wait yeah. to talk about that one in the third cast. I'm, I'm looking forward to Kill Bill and Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, dear audience, if you are looking to uh, keep up with the conversation, I would watch both volumes of Kill Bill uh, consecutively. Don't break. Don't go to the bathroom. Don't even get up. Just, <laughs> just play them both back to back to back. Bring a two-liter bottle, and then you won't have to go to yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if you're a female fan, they have accoutrement to help you with that as well. <laughs> so, uh, that's Perfect. it for us. Catch us next time uh, when we talk about Kill Bill 1, 2, and... Um, I almost said Inglorious Bastards, but it's uh, it's not, right? It's No, it, it is. is. Inglorious Bastards, yes. Bastards. Bastards, yeah. there we go. We're going to be doing one thing and one thing only, and that's killing, killing Nazis. Killing Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to it. Oh, I'm so looking forward to what we're going to drink that night, gents. Ooh, yeah, Ooh. we'll have to figure that one out, too. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, we'll catch you next time, everybody. Until then, stay nerdy, y'all. Cue the music. <laughs> <laughs>